Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. I'm here with Professor Andy Gumley, who is from the University of Glasgow Institute for Health and Wellbeing. Hi, Andy. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Glad to be here. Looking forward to the day. Yeah, it's a really exciting programme, isn't it's it? It's a really exciting programme. excited to hear about the ARIES study and hear about the work that's been done, the panel discussions. Excited to share some of the findings from Empower as well. Yeah, so Empower. Empower is one of um, six million acronyms in mental health research. What does Empower stand for? So I think Empower stands for Early Science Monitoring to Prevent, Relapse and uh, Improve Engagement, Wellbeing and Recovery. Okay, you're the only so person on the planet that could remember that. There's an acronym in there that's, that's complex. But it, it really, what we really wanted to get across in that acronym was our theory about where digital fits in and our theory was that if people have access to their own data on their own well-being that becomes a resource to uh, improve self-management, it becomes a resource to foster helpful conversations with peers or indeed foster helpful conversations with health professionals and our, our theory of the intervention was that it would support shared decision making to prevent relapse and to, to enable um, to enable people to continue to collaborate during periods of crisis and, and uh, potential relapse. And I guess there's, you know, there's thousands of apps in health and in mental health and most yeah. of them deal with quite mainstream or common problems. Um, you've chosen people with psychosis um, to try and prevent relapse. Yeah. That's a really tricky population. Why did you choose that group to work with? Uh, that's been my area of interest throughout my whole career. I've been very interested in relapse and I've been very interested in how fear of relapse and fear of recurrence can prevent people from help seeking. And that in turn means that services end up reacting in a more uh, sort of reactive and potentially coercive way. And I think there is a problem in relationships that sometimes happens around relapse where shared decision making is lost. Um, so I really felt like a mobile app provided an opportunity to address that gap. Um, and Empower really emerged out of a commissioned call from NIHR, HTA, and they asked for, they commissioned a, an intervention to improve detection of early signs of relapse uh, and, and one that would provide a pathway to relapse detection and prevention. So we, we, we saw, we saw the, the app fitting in there, but part of a, a broader system. Yeah, okay. And I think what's interesting to me about this is that your, um, your main results, which are still unpublished, so we're going to have some papers coming out soon, yeah. um, and hopefully we can cover those on the mental health, but actually some of the almost more interesting stuff is what you kind of found out along the way about how digital technology is viewed by people living with psychosis and by people who work with those people. So tell us a little bit about some of those qualitative findings. Oh, definitely. So before we, before we did the trial, we consulted with service users, carers and mental health staff. And, and it was really useful to do that because very often mental health staff were very pessimistic about the role of digital. They, they felt that they were very busy. They felt that digital would be something that would be appealing to um, young people as opposed to sort of older people with psychosis um, and, and they, they also worried about the reliability of data whereas when we spoke to uh, service users their concerns were about privacy, confidentiality, their concerns were about their data being taken seriously and their concerns were about digital not replacing their relationships with services. Um, the, other, the other issue that emerged out of that was how much I suppose how much relapse was linked to 
lots of issues around risk and risk assessment so staff would worry about risk of relapse whereas service users would worry about risk of help seeking um, so when we put together the intervention we really needed to try and address those kind of contrasting concerns so the way that we tried to do that in empower was have a digital intervention but blend it with peer support as a way to improve conversations about well-being using data as a kind of as a kind of focus of conversation as a focus of understanding changes in mood or changes in well-being that might stimulate um, a greater self-management and greater autonomy around recovery and then to kind of balance staff concerns is that we had a mental health nurse work in the trial whose role was to triage changes in well-being and to check in with people if there were large changes in well-being that might be suggestive of early signs and her job was to engage with service users and support them in making decisions around help seeking. So you're bringing this digital intervention into an existing kind of face-to-face real-world system uh, and blending it with the care that's already being provided. I guess I'm interested in your thoughts on how much mental health professionals and people living with mental illness view digital as that kind of thing, as, as blended with what goes on currently, and how much they view it as a cost-saving replacement to the current system. We, we, didn't, get, we didn't get that so strongly from people using services, but we did get that very early on in terms of engaging with mental health staff, and they, they perceived worries that digital interventions would be used to replace them and would be used as ways of reducing services and reducing reducing staffing within services. So that was definitely a concern and that was definitely a, uh, a big issue for us to consider in terms of planning the trial. And do you think there's evidence that is, that is the case? Um, in our trial, no, and I don't think I've seen evidence. Um, I think if, if anything, I guess digital digital potentially helps us think about ways of scaling up access to intervention. So if, if Empire was successful, I think that one of the important things that would be scaled up would be access to peer support. So that's about people having more access to helpful relationships to, that can enable them to, to talk and share experiences and normalise experiences. So what advice would you give to people working in mental health services that are excited and interested by digital tech and are thinking of doing something like this, implementing something quite innovative, what are the things that people really need to consider before they do that? Um, so I think a good metaphor is, is, is if you think about how a car works and how a car engine works and I think if you try and throw something new into a car engine without actually understanding how that engine works the engine's either going to spit it out again, the, the part that you're putting in, or you're just going to break the engine down. So I think, I think you have to think about it as an ecosystem, and you have to think about who are the stakeholders in this ecosystem, and how do you engage people, how do you get people together, working together on an idea and sharing an idea. So I think, for me, if anybody's thinking about digital, I would think about who are the people who are going to be the users and stakeholders in digital, and engage them in a kind of collaborative enterprise to then think about, well, how will, how will digital help us in what we do? Are, are our goals and aims for digital kind of reasonable and realistic? And are we clear, do we have a kind of clear theory or idea about how it fits within our system and within our context? 
That's brilliant. Thanks a lot for talking to me. Thank you, Andrew. Mm-hmm.